Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message.
we have been going through a series called The Signs of the End of the Age. And the reason why we wanted to do that, we've taken it from the Olivet Discourse of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. <clears throat> and I have to say that I've really had a great time. It's been fun for me to, to delve into these two chapters and share with you more about what does it mean? Like, what are the signs of the end time? Why should we, should we be worried? Should we be concerned? What are we looking at? What are we looking for? And how should we live our lives? I mentioned that having an awareness of the end times and the signs that will precede the second coming of Jesus are key to our walk with God. Now, you might say, why is that, that these signs are a key to our walk with God? Because, you see, it should increase in us a desire to want to live life that is a pure life before God, you know, a life that is introspectively lived before God, and, and a desire to want to please God in everything that we do, in everything that we say. You know, the New Testament believers I mentioned used to greet each other and say, Maranatha which means the Lord is coming back soon. And that should be our attitude, the sense that, wow, you know what? This life is not just everything that we touch and see, but there's more beyond the life that we live today, that one day we are going to uh, literally be in the presence of Almighty God. I mean, that is just incredible, right? Are you with me? All right, just want to make sure that you're, you know, check your pulse. You're breathing? Okay. You're there. Now, you know, perhaps you, you might look at me and say, I don't know about this thing about heaven and stuff, you know. It's like, I, I, I'm not sure about this heavenly reality. You know, maybe you see heaven as a, you know, and everything that the Bible talks about heaven as a figure of speech. That is, Jesus was figuratively talking about a place that we can experience in our hearts today. There are people that believe that, believe it or not. Now, as for me, I don't know about you, but if it's written in this book, I believe it. And if it's written here, and Jesus said it, in my book, my own personal book, not this book, but that settles it. And I'm not going to question whether it's true or not. It is a reality. You see, there's so much going on in our world. Mike, as he opened service earlier today, was talking about, you know, what's happening in the Ukraine. Our world is messed up. There's so much that is happening. So, you know, what better place than to say one day we're going to spend our eternity in heaven. This life is but a speck. It's just a speck of dust in a picture, in a grand scheme of what God is doing. And so we're going to spend time with God forever. Now, that's not to say that we need to have this mindset of escapism, right? Oh, get us out of here. There's too many troubles, too much to deal with. I can't, you know, I can't put up with all this mess anymore. Get me out of here. You know why that is not the case? Because we have a great responsibility. And Austin alluded to that, that we have a responsibility to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to everyone around us. 
everyone around us. And anyone that does not know Jesus that you come in contact with, that is your responsibility and my responsibility. Family members, friends, neighbors, they need to know that Jesus is the answer in the midst of our turmoil, in the midst of this crazy world that we live in. We can stop and pause and say, you know what? You don't have to do this alone. Jesus can be your friend and he can walk with you. So our text uh, that we have been speaking from is found in Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 to 3. We're going to put it up for us to read it. And basically, it says this, that Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call to his attention to his buildings. They were looking at the temple. They were uh, amazed that, you know, these were country folk. They were looking at the big buildings and big temples, and they were like amazed at what was happening and what they saw. You see all these things, he asked? He says, truly, Jesus said, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the, excuse me, the disciples came to him privately. And they said, tell us. When will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? <clears throat> when will this happen? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? Over the past three parts of this series, and, and I would encourage you if you have not had a chance to check all three of them, check them out on our YouTube channel because there's a lot of information. I cannot get into all of the details of everything that Jesus mentioned here, but <clears throat> there are some key takeaways that I, that I want to mention to us all today. The key takeaways of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew and that we must remember is that the day and the hour are unknown. None of us know exactly when Jesus is coming back. That Jesus also said, be vigilant. And then he said, be ready. Those are three things that he said. The day and the hour are unknown. Be vigilant. Be ready. But then in Matthew chapter uh, 25, last week we talked about, or the, the last part of the series, we talked about the ten virgins, five being wise virgins, five being foolish. And Jesus ended that parable with verse 13 that says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Again, he reminded them, saying, keep watch. That's the fourth thing that we got to <clears throat> be aware of. And so, we don't know the hour. We don't know the day. Be vigilant. Be ready. Keep watch. Are you getting the point here? Is that clear what Jesus was saying? Like, stay awake. Open your eyes. Open your ears. Check things out. Look at what's happening because everything around us is pointing to the fact that Jesus is coming back and he is coming back soon. So now Jesus moves on to a new parable. And he uses a new illustration. And again, he spoke in parables in which somebody said that parables are earthly stories. I love this. With a heavenly meaning. And so the parable of the talents is one that has been probably abused in a number of circles. You say, what does that mean and why are you saying that? Why has it been abused in a number of circles? 
You see, the, <clears throat> the, the parable of the talents has been used as a parable to justify the belief in a gospel of economic prosperity rather than thinking that this parable is an illustration of that should challenge us to emulate the master so that we use everything that God has given us for his glory and honor and for the extension of the kingdom and the sake of the kingdom. And so we think, oh, well, the parable of the talents. That means that, you know what, the more I got, the more I'm going to get. I'm going to claim, I'm going to get, I'm going to get more and get more and get rich and woo! And no, that's not exactly what God is saying here. And we're going to delve into that scripture a little bit. So the main focus, again here, is to be ready to be alert because the return of Jesus is imminent. And so there's this man in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 and 15. And the man is, <clears throat> this is how Jesus sets up the parable. He says, again, it will be the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his abilities. Now, <clears throat> this master is going on a business trip. Now, I, I've worked for a Fortune 50 company. And my bosses went on business trips all the time. They never left me any money. These guys were good. They must have been some real good servants. And, and so the man goes up to these three of them. I don't, I'm not sure why just the three of them. I think if he had that kind of money, which I will tell you how much money that is shortly. <clears throat> if he had that kind of money... He probably had more than three people. Wouldn't you agree? I think so. I think so. This was not, in fact, an uncommon practice in the olden days. In ancient times, a master going away on a business trip would actually entrust his most trusted servants and would give them his wealth in case something would happen to him on his trip. Right? They knew, he knew that they would care for his business, that they would take care of his affairs when he would go away. And so the man gives him his wealth and he leaves. And the first servant receives five times more than the third. And you say, well, that's unfair, especially in our culture today, right? I mean, hey, if you got, let's see, five, three, and two, that's, or one, that's nine. So that means that you're going to give three, three, and three, right? That's fair, isn't it? That's what life should be like. It should be fair. Everyone should get the same. First principle that God is illustrating here. And it's found in that last sentence. To each according to what? Their ability. According to their ability. Ability. Now, some translations can be misleading here because in the NIV, <clears throat> you read about a bag of gold, and in the SV, you read about a talent. And in fact, in the original, the word talent would be a better translation, most accurate, and I'll tell you why. Because the bag of gold gives you an impression that there's a bunch of coins made of gold into it, but a talent. A talent itself was not a coin. 
The talent, a talent, was a measure of weight. A measure of weight that contained gold in it to a certain amount. In fact, a lot of people say that this amounted to about 20. There were 6,000 denarii in it. And 6,000 denarii was approximately a 20 years worth of wage. 20 years. Okay? So the guy that got one got 20 years worth of wages. The average worker made one denarius a day for a day's work. So calculated today, I was looking up some statistics, and I thought, okay, what does the average American make in 2022? The average American, American in 2022, average American, makes $52,000 a year. The median, just below, makes about 34000 so let's just meld the two of them together and say, hey, you know what? That number would be maybe like $40,000 a year for the average Joe. Let's call him Joe. Multiply that by 20. You get what you get. That's the kind of money that the third servant that got one talent or a bag worth 20 years worth of weight got. Isn't that incredible? Now, when you look about this passage, you look at what's happening here, you say, well, you know, these guys got entrusted with a lot. But something which, you know, I mean, I'll say it like, I want to put it like this, right? We can look at it and say, the guy with, that got the five talents versus the one that got one, it just it doesn't seem fair, right? It, it just doesn't seem fair. But look at it. All of them received an astronomical amount of money. It's not about being fair. It's about stewardship, which is my second point that I see in this passage. And it's found in verses 15 to 18. Stewardship is important in this because they received the blessing of the master based on their abilities. And so the master went on his journey, right? The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Pretty good. I, do the math, guys. Do the math. Five times 20 years, 100 years worth of wages. That's a lot of money. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole into the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, the portion is not the key. The ability is the key. You see, much like the businessman who went on a journey, Jesus left the earth one day. He came, he spent years of ministry here, three and a half, and then he went to heaven. He entrusted to each and every one of us talents, blessings, abilities. Each one of us has received talents, blessings, and abilities according to our abilities, according to our capabilities. It's the same way. 
as the master gave that money to his servants. You see, God owns everything. Everything that we possess belongs to God. As soon as you put your stamp of ownership on what you have, you have started your process down the road to failure. God blesses us with spiritual gifts. <clears throat> God has blessed us with talents. God has blessed us with finances. And you see, some of us can handle more than others. That's why some people have more than you do. And you look at them and you say, they got more. That's not fair. That's not the point. You are missing the point if you see that it's unfair that some people have more than you do. Because it is the, the truth is that they are more responsible for what they have. They have abilities to steward what they have received in a greater way, in a better way than you do. And that's the truth. And we got to look at that in a biblical sense and not get bitter and say, I wish I had more. God, that's so unfair. I want to be able to be on stage and Play drums. Yeah, me too. But God has not given me that ability. And God may not have given you that ability. God, what has God given you? That is what matters today, right now. You see, the more people that have learned the secret of stewarding and taking what they've received, have given it out, the more they get, they get, the more they receive, the more they give. Because you can't contain any more in your hands when you got them like this. You're hanging on to dear life, to everything that God has given you. I got this. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. No, it's not yours. You got to release it so that God can increase your capability and your ability to receive more so that you can give more. Receive more so that you can give more. The kingdom of God is the upside-down kingdom. And it is so because for, it's for a reason. In order to get more, you have to give more. In order to get, you release. Investments are good stewardship principles. Whatever you do for God is a good investment into what God has placed inside of you. That's how it works. Stewardship is about respecting what you have been blessed with. So you don't sit and squander it. And I want to tell you that God is the best financial advisor you'll ever meet. <clears throat> because God will not allow us. You know, God loves us so much. And he knows what each and every one of us have. And he knows the detriment of not utilizing what he has given us. And so he's patient with us because he wants us to use and invest everything that he has given us. Now, in the story, <clears throat> the servant with five bags of gold or five talents doubled it. That's incredible. The man with three bags of gold Three talents, double this three. I don't know how they did it. I don't know what principle they used. 
But they managed to double an enormous amount of money. I don't know how long it took, but it was a huge amount of money. Now, notice this. The master gave them something. Did he ever tell them, go and double it? Did he ever say, go and put them to good work? Did he ever tell them, you're responsible for the money that I'm giving you. You better. None of that. He never told them to do what they accomplished on their own. The key here is that it's not the portion of money, but the proportion of their abilities. They realized that they had been entrusted with so much. And so their heart was to say, hey, you know what? Our master has blessed us. This is all his anyway. So how about we bless him? Let's find a way to bless our master. They were just so excited with what they had that they went out and doubled everything. That's amazing. I would like to have people like that working for me. Wouldn't you? If you're a business owner, look for those types of people. You see, <clears throat> the next thing that I see in this passage is that there was something very beautiful that happened here. Is that these three men understood the principle of faithfulness. They understood that faithfulness produces authority. Faithfulness produces authority. Now, in the verses that proceed, and I'm not going to put them up because there's quite a number of verses, about nine verses here in this section, verses uh, 19 through 28 of chapter 25. But essentially, the master returns from his travels, and he comes back unexpectedly. And, I, I, you know, there's a principle there, too, because Jesus one day is going to come back. And he's not going to send you a letter at home saying, I'm coming back on this day. Get ready. Make sure that you're living your life right. No, he came back unexpectedly, just like Jesus will. And he found that these men had been faithful to what he had entrusted to them, each according to their abilities. And so the master <clears throat> saw that the faithful servants, the first two, the one with five and the one with three, doubled all their portions, doubled their fortune, literally. He recognized them and he rewarded them by putting them in charge of many things. This is very important, guys. Very, very important. Because you know what? It's faithfulness that produces authority. It's faithfulness that produces authority. Now, let me say it this way. A lot of Christians nowadays, they want to have authority in the name of Jesus, right? I mean, like, I want to be a great man of God. I want to be a great woman of God. I want to see great things. I want to see God move mountains. I want to see, you know... Open, eyes open, and, 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 and the dead raised the dead. And I want to see people come to Jesus. And I want to see all of this great stuff. But the problem is that 
They are looking to their own abilities in order to see God move in their lives. And they're saying to themselves, okay, well, what can I do? What can I make happen? Here God is saying, you know what? Stop for a minute. It's the faithfulness of these men that actually produced their authority. Many desire to see the power of God manifested. The miraculous in operation. Except that we're not willing sometimes to wake up early in the morning and spend time with Jesus. We were just talking about it this morning in pre-service prayer. And I'm not saying come to 6.30 prayer. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Although you at least should come at least once a month to just check it out. But I'm talking about spending time with the Lord. Start your day with Jesus don't, let, don't just face the day haphazardly wondering how are things going to turn out today. I don't know. I'll try my best. I'll do what I can. If we want to see God move, we have to be willing to pay the price. Now, if God has blessed you, however he has blessed you, and he has, if he has blessed you financially, you are not, and you're not blessing the kingdom of God in some way, then you know what? You're not being faithful with what God has given you. You're not being faithful. If God has blessed you with leadership qualities and you're not leading, you're not being faithful. If God has blessed you with serving qualities and you're not serving, you're not being faithful. If God allowed you the ability to learn an instrument and play and sing and you're not doing it, you're not being faithful. If God has given you a desire and a ministry and the ability to be able to talk to somebody about Jesus in a powerful and convicting way and you're not doing it, you are not being faithful. I am not being faithful. And I want to talk to myself first here, guys. This is not a point the finger and make you feel guilty that you're not being faithful. No, you know what? There are areas in my life that I acknowledge and I say, you know what? I need to do better there. I actually need to to do a better job talking to my neighbors or wherever God allows me the opportunity. You know, you go to a place sometimes and and God just, you you sense the Lord telling you, hey, you know what? Give an encouraging word to that person. And you think that you're crazy. And yet, that could be the very word that that person needs to hear at that point, at that moment. We dismiss God moments because we think that they're trivial. And yet, they are the very nature of the kingdom of God and how God wants to use us. Faithfulness produces authority. God wants to put us in charge of more. But he can't do it until we have actually laid down the shovel and cleaned our hands full of dirt from digging our talents into the ground. God wants to bless us, guys. He wants to give us so much more than we could possibly imagine. But we limit ourselves and 
in so many ways limit the hand of God in our lives. They doubled their money. He didn't tell them, good job for being great investors. He says, I'm going to put you in charge of something. If you want to see God move in your life, do what God tells you to do so that he can actually promote you. And we're looking for promotion without paying the price. We're looking for promotion with our hands and our, our fists clenched. We don't want to release what we've got. And God can't give us more until we do. Faithfulness produces authority. He wants to put us in charge of more. Now, let's not look for excuses. It's time to get in the game. You are blessed of God. We are so blessed in this country, guys. So blessed. <clears throat> We're blessed with gifts, talents, prosperity, abilities. And you can just name whatever it is that God has blessed you with. And it would probably would be here tomorrow morning. Still talking about it. The third servant was unfaithful. He took what was given to him and he hid it. And so the master came back and said, take what he has and give it to the guy who doubled his five. <clears throat> that now has ten, now he has eleven. The lesson here is that if we don't use what God has given us, God will move on to somebody else. You know what? God is not restricted by you and me. God has men and women that he wants to greatly use for his glory. He wants to use you, but if you're not going to say yes, he's going to move on to somebody else. That's just plain and simple. Because the purposes of God on the earth will be fulfilled whether we like it or not. Jesus is looking for faithful servants to put to work what he has given us. You see, I believe that there may be people, some of us sitting here today, that are so endowed by God with abilities and qualities that God has given you, and yet you have been yourself sitting on a shelf wondering, I, you know what, I just, I, I. negative experiences, maybe a negative church experience that has, that has dwarfed your spiritual growth and has caused you to sit back and wonder, what do I do now? What, should, I, should I get involved? Should I, should I participate? You know what, that's going to, yet that fear eventually will produce a loss in your life. If God has blessed you, give. If God has blessed you, serve. Do whatever it is. Do whatever it is. Paul says that let's do whatever our hands find to do as unto the Lord. Because he wants to bless whatever our hands find to do. And so for me personally <clears throat> and my wife, that's, that's always been our journey. That's been our lives. We always partnered, either, part, either partnered with a local church or a local church that we were pastoring in. We wanted to serve. We're not going to sit back and say, well, you know, we're like the leaders of this church. Come on. 
You know, you guys do the work, and we just sit back. No, I'm not going to tell you, give unto God, tithe your 10%, because I'm not doing it, and I want you to do it. Because you know what? We have been doing, we've been giving more than 10% for many years of our lives. And we'll continue to. You know why? Because we're sowing something, not just for us. We're sowing something for our children. We've been sowing that for our children for many years. And we're sowing it for our grandkids. And we are blessing our children to do the same so that they can sow it for their children and their grandchildren. And on it goes. That is our heart. And God wants to see that in all of us. We got to check our motives, guys. James chapter 4 and verse 3 says this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Ask yourself, is that you? These parables have the same goal. It's to be prepared for the coming of the king. That Jesus is preparing a bride, his church, that will not waste time sitting, sitting idly by, watching the game being played. But God is looking for all of us to get back into the game. Look, I don't know what circumstances you may have gone through. I don't know if someone hurts you. I don't know if what your life is right now. But God does. God does. <clears throat> and my desire for you, as much as God's desire for you, is do what God has granted you, has put in your hands. Do what you can do as unto the Lord. The concluding verses in Matthew 25 kind of shift the scene, and I want to conclude the message with this. <clears throat> it talks about Jesus' return. When he will sit, the Bible calls it his glorious throne and judge the nations. Now, this passage has also been a little bit of a controversial passage, controversial passage because of various interpretations. But let me give you some key points here. <clears throat> Number one, Jesus on the throne here is not the same as Jesus on the throne in the uh, great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20. That uh, great white throne judgment happens after the 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth, the millennial kingdom, and it takes place in heaven, not on earth. This a judgment that's taking place right now is actually on the earth. This separation of the sheep and the goats happens right after the tribulation period, and it happens on earth. Now, some scholars believe these are the Gentiles that helped the Jewish people during the tribulation. Some of them did help them. Some of them didn't. Now, who are these Jewish believers during the tribulation? There's, in the book of Revelation, it talks about 144,000 uh, Jewish people that will be released to basically preach Jesus, share the gospel. I'll use it in, in common terminology, right? And so these 144,000 witnesses <clears throat> will share, and many Jewish people will come to know Jesus. Now, if you read the book of Revelation, it talks about the fact that in the last days, you will not be able to buy or sell or do anything unless you have what? The mark of the beast, right? The proverbial mark of the beast that we read about. 
And so these Jewish people, these Jewish men and women, families, will be helped <clears throat> by these Gentiles that have ha accepted Christ. The goats and the sheep are Gentile nation, right? And that's why Jesus is using the terminology of saying in verse 40, he says, if you have done it to the least of these, my brethren. Who are Jesus' brethren? What was Jesus? Jewish. So he was doing it to his brothers and sisters, his Jewish brothers and sisters. Now the others, the goats, Gentiles, that did not trust Jesus, gave no evidence of their faith by helping their Jewish brothers. And in all likelihood, it's because they received the mark of the beast and they were being cared for by the governing authorities of the day. They put their trust in the Antichrist and the false prophet, basically, who are ruling during that time. Now, why is all of this important? You say, like, what are you talking about? Mark of the beast, goats, sheep, and can we get some milk out of that and maybe make some cheese? <clears throat> no. Let me bring it into what it matters here. Salvation is by faith and by faith alone. We cannot make the mistake of looking at this scripture, and many have, and interpret it this way. Oh, well, you know, if you go out and you feed the poor and you clothe the poor and you visit those in prison, that's it. That's all you need to do. You're a great believer in Jesus. Because you know what that means? That erases Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 that says what? For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not of yourself or from yourself. It is the gift of God. <clears throat> faith and understanding Jesus is the gift of God. And so you then look at it and say, wow, you know what? If I can go out and feed the poor, if I can do something for God, it's not that it's bad, guys. But our faith in Jesus can only take root in us as we trust him by faith and not by doing good works. We cannot earn heaven. You can't earn the kingdom of God. It's given to you and me freely. And regardless of where you are, regardless of your past, regardless of what you have been or what you have done, His love will reach any place today. The message has eternal implication. That's why we said that before, that lives <clears throat> that need to be touched, people that you know, people that I know need to know the gospel of Jesus. I trust that Jesus awakens us to this reality. I've asked the, the uh, uh, connect team today at the exit as you go out <clears throat> to put a bunch of these cards. It's just the name of our church in the front and in the back. It says, you are welcome here. Join us Sunday, 10 a.m. Do yourself a favor. Grab a few of these cards when you go out and find a way to invite somebody, to talk to somebody about the love of Jesus. You know, sometimes you might say, I don't know what to say. I'm not very good at speaking. I'm not, I don't know how to present Jesus and the gospel. You know what? We'll teach you that. We will teach you that. But for now, just give somebody a card and tell them, you know what? I love you. And I want you to know Jesus because he can make all the difference in your life. Would you come? Come to our church. You know, we worship the Lord and, and then we can tell you more about it. There's a way that we can share the gospel because of the eternal implication that it has. Friends, 
What's the point in all of this? Let me go back to what we said at first. Keep watch, be vigilant, be ready, <clears throat> because we don't know when his return will be. There's a great story in the epic conclusion of the Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis attempts to express his abs- this joy, this incredible joy that comes as our earthly lives will come to an end and we're reunited with God in heaven. Listen to what he says. The things that began to happen after we were so greatly and beautiful, uh, after that, sorry, were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better the one before. I want to be part of that book. Don't you? I want to be part of that final story that he is writing. In John chapter 14 verses 1 and 3 it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that where I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. He wants us to be where he is. He wants us to join in the final chapters that will be written outside of this earthly existence. One day, we'll spend eternity with Him. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.